I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For decades, he's been the king of Memphis. It's good to be king of your own little town. You want to see the king? You think anybody would pay to come down and see a sawed-off runt? Bug-eyed Bill Dundee? No, they come to see me, baby. King of them all, right here it is, baby. The greatest wrestler that ever lived and ever will step into a ring. You're looking at him, and I am the champion. And you may be familiar with his work in WWE, too. I'll show you who the real king of the World Wrestling Federation is. It's the most electrifying move in sports entertainment today. Oh, the people that For 50 years, he's been known all over the world as one of wrestling's biggest stars. And now, he's decided to share all of his favorite stories from his 50 years in wrestling with you. Tell me a story. Why don't you put your false teeth in backward and eat yourself to death? (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorites. This is The Jerry Lawler Show. Welcome to The Jerry Lawler Show on Monday, the King talked all about the 50-year anniversary show that's coming up, promoted by his buddy Burt Prentice, who joined the show with the King and Sean Reedy. Today, in continuing to talk about that show, the King wanted to pay tribute to his old friend who just passed away, the legendary James Harris, otherwise known as Kamala. So here's the King continuing to talk about the 50 years of Jerry Lawler's celebration while paying tribute to his fallen comrade, Kamala. One of the names that is going to be there is uh, WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware. Okay, great. So Coco is going to be there, but uh, the reason I mention him now is the fact that Coco was the one who was uh, very close to James Harris, uh, Kamala, and Coco was the one that called us immediately after after James passed away with the with the word that James had uh, died this past week. And uh, man, that was a that was a guy that uh, I can't remember what year we started we started James, but I mean, what a what a story we had with that guy. Uh, never forget that one night at the Mid South Coliseum, I'm just standing there watching the matches, kind of peeking through the curtain, and uh, so the crowd couldn't see me watching watching the earlier matches, and somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned around, and as I turned around, I had to look up, and this, and he's kind of looking down at me. And I, I was, I quite honestly, I was a little bit scared there at first. I went, uh, yeah. And all of a sudden, this voice came out, and it was, it was like uh, immediately I said, this guy's like a giant teddy bear. And I looked at him, and a big smile came on my face, and I said, I said, well, Sugar Bear, has anybody else seen you here tonight? And he said, no, sir, I just came in the back door. And I said, well, here's what I want you to do. Here's my number. Give me your number. And then I want you to go home. Don't let anybody see you. And we're going to call you. And immediately we, we took James. We called him up, brought him up to Nashville, took him out to Jerry Jarrett's, uh, to Jerry Jarrett's farm at the, at the time. 
And Jerry Jarrett, just by coincidence, Jerry Jarrett in his office, Jerry was a big hunter, and he had gone big game hunting in the past and that sort of thing. And he had a this big African mask. Of course, he had a bunch of animal heads hanging on his wall, you know, these the, the big game, the stuffed uh, animal heads that he had shot over the years. So anyway, but he had this big um, African mask and this big uh, shield type thing, African shield, as part of the decorations on his wall in his, in his den. And so it, I, I sat down with a, um, uh, with a National Enquirer magazine. I looked, up, I looked up the country of Uganda on the map, and there was a bunch of cities in Uganda, and one of the cities was Kamala. So that's where we came up with the name Kamala, and he was from supposed to be from Uganda, and he was a giant. He was just a uh, you know just a huge physical specimen. So we called him. We came up with the name the Kamala, the Ugandan giant. We put this little loincloth on him. We made a spear for him. We put this uh, shield and this mask on him. We took. We went out to the uh, this little pond behind Cherry Jarrett's house. And we threw some uh, dry ice out into the out into the water, and we had James walk out maybe about ten feet out into the that wasn't the deep pond or anything. We had James walk about ten feet out into the pond. We had our cameraman there, and boom, he starts filming James walking towards the camera with this smoke and this water behind him. It looked like something out of an African jungle scene or a movie, and uh, and. And then we put the voiceover on it, you know, Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And we called up a, we, we called up J.J. Dillon because uh, he, he was working over in the Carolinas. And we told J.J., J.J., we want you to send us in an interview and uh, because we don't want anybody local to, uh, to introduce Kamala. We want him to be, you know, something new, something that nobody's ever seen before, and something where people will believe that he actually is coming in from from uh, Uganda. So J.J. Dillon cut this great promo, talking about how he'd been, how he'd been, uh, you know, traveling all over the world looking for the top wrestling talent, and he's finally found this guy that will be able to come into Memphis and put an end to Jerry the King Lawler. And so, boom, we 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 cut that. We had JJ say that promo, and then all of a sudden we showed this film. This, this, uh, I mean, it was probably less than a minute uh, long film of James, you know, with that with that mask on, coming up out of that coming up out of that water, that steaming water. He pulled that mask off, and there was that face, that painted face with the teeth. We showed that Saturday morning. Coliseum sold out Monday night. Everybody. Everybody wanted to come out and see this amazing uh, Ugandan giant, and so that, that that's that's the story of how we got started. Uh, he he was tremendous, uh, you know. That's in the wrestling business we call that a gimmick. Uh, Kamala James, he he loved the gimmick. He he he, I mean, he was perfect for it. And we talked before, you know, before he. I don't know how long he had been wrestling. Not not that long, I'm sure, but you know he just wrestled basically little independent shows, not not a big deal at at that point. But you know we sat down beforehand, 
I painted, I painted the face. I put the stars on his chest, the big crescent moon on his stomach, and all the teeth on the around his mouth. And um, and I'm, we're talking as we're getting ready for the match. And I said, "Look, I said, James, this is the important thing. As you can see, you're you're not you're not these people are not expecting a wrestler. You're not supposed to uh, you're not supposed to have ever even been in a wrestling ring or even seen a wrestling ring." They're expecting somebody that they snagged out of the jungle that is coming here to just uh, uh, basically eat up Jerry Lawler. And I said, so don't ever, don't do any wrestling moves whatsoever. I said, just pat your chest. I, I was thinking, of like, I told him at the time, I said, pat your chest like, or beat your chest like, like uh, King Kong or like Tarzan or something like that. And James, he... he uh, he changed that into patent, you know, patent his stomach, which was even better. You know, he, and, 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 uh, I said, don't do any wrestling moves. I said, just chop me and try to bite me. And, and, that, and I said, that, that's all our match needs to consist of. And sure enough, we went out there and man, he tore the house down. He was so believable. He was so perfect in, in that, in that gimmick. And of course, you know, we, we went on and did, Big big business with uh, James here in Memphis and uh, in Tennessee, and then of course he went on he went on from here to uh, heck he went to mid south he went he went all over the world with that gimmick uh, and of course finally then made it up to uh, up to WWE where he main evented with Hulk Hogan with the Undertaker with with so many of the big WWE stars and made 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 a huge uh, impression and became a huge a huge superstar uh, with that gimmick in, in um, you know, in WWE. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be one of your most successful creations, maybe up there with, like, the Rock and Roll Express, because, like you mentioned, first in Memphis, I mean, just unbelievable run. He comes in, he destroys you, wins the title, runs through, like, the whole roster, building up, like, through the whole summer of 82, I think it was, to you finally uh, getting another shot and, and, and finally defeating him. But then, like you mentioned, I mean, he was big lots of places, and he went all the way to, you know, Madison Square Garden with Hogan. Uh, an amazing run, an amazing run that all started just with a, an idea you had in a video in Jerry Jarrett's yard. Yeah, it, it really was. And you're right, I was I was always proud of that. And I was always proud of James because, um, you know, he, re, he realized, and he got it, he realized that, um, you know, it, it was it was something that he made into the perfect gimmick. I mean, a lot of times gimmicks get put on people that they're that they're not uh, by by promoters. Basically, you know, the promoter comes up with an idea and says, "Hey, here you do this," and they're not always crazy about it, and they don't always uh, they don't always make the best of it. Sometimes, uh, but then sometimes uh, one one time that uh, one thing that comes to mind is the time when 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 Dusty Rhodes. Went up to uh, when Dusty Rhodes first went up to uh, the WWE. Oh my gosh, they put the they put the gimmick on him where what he was wearing polka dots or what was that? What was the thing that? Uh, yeah, he had the yellow polka dots. Yeah, the yellow polka dots and uh, and then you know sometimes gimmicks were were created to sort of uh, maybe not make the character look the best. Uh, I'll never forget Terry Taylor. What they make oh. him the Red Rooster? Yeah, oh, things my. like that. But and, and and you know what? Sometimes I mean, uh, if it wasn't the right person, somebody may have looked at this gimmick and said, 
No, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's stupid. I'm not a, you know, I'm not from Africa, that sort of thing. But it was that, you know, that was, it was a gimmick. Of course he wasn't, he, he wasn't a cannibal or anything. But it, it, that's where the, that's where the entertainment value comes from. It was like an actor uh, playing a role. You know, I mean, all of these actors like The Rock in Hollywood or, 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 or John Cena, you know, they're not they're not really who they portray when they're doing a movie. Uh, you're, you're playing a role. And James played that role. He, he embraced that gimmick and he played it to the hilt. I mean, he was perfect and he was he was great at it. And he, he deserved all the all the credit and all the money that he you know, that he made uh, throughout his career. And then, uh, of course, unfortunately, uh, James just had some some health issues that had plagued him, and not just his entire career, but his entire life. I think James was a diabetic from the time he was a child, and um, and that you know that I think the, probably the diabetes was the you know the was the main thing that really caught up with him. He, he wound up, as most people know, he wound up being becoming a double amputee. Uh, the diabetes uh, uh, did so much damage to him. He lost both his legs, had both his legs amputated, and then uh, you know, was then confined to a wheelchair at his home there in in Mississippi. And and then the the last the last few years, he's just been in failing health. Uh, I know we talked about him last year at the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club. The, uh, some of the people there got together at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and they. I think they paid off the balance on on James's house down in Mississippi, where he, where he, uh, you know, had had a home to live in for the rest of his life. And uh, but then he had heart problems, and uh, then towards the end he was on uh, dialysis. And so, uh, you know, he just uh, it was still kind of a shock because I hadn't been keeping up with him that much lately. But uh, then Coco Ware called last week and, and said, you know, that, that, that James had passed away. And Coco was close with him and kept up with him. And, and the crazy thing was, uh, all of a sudden the word came out, I, I saw this a couple of places, that he died of COVID, uh, COVID-19. But Coco said that that wasn't the case, hmm. uh, that he had all of these other health issues. But that's just what I heard from from Coco that it wasn't that, but, uh, anyway, we lost a, you know, we lost a very talented guy that uh, made a big, big, uh, impression in the wrestling business over the years. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Jerry Lawler Show. What, what will you remember about him kind of behind the scenes as a person that you worked with? I really like James. I was I was close to him in the fact that all all while all while he would, he and I were working together, I think for probably the first I don't know if it was six months, but for the first few months, I had to paint the makeup on him every single night, which I enjoyed <laughs> doing. Really did. But then you know he would just sit there and and uh, he would just sit there and 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 talk. We would talk about all kind of crazy things uh, uh, during that time. And 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 I was, but I was finally glad when he was able to uh, you know start applying his own makeup and everything. And of course, we you know when we got ready to. To leave the Memphis area, I told him, I said, James, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to to learn to do this yourself. I mean, you just watch watch me every night and see what. And I would explain to him each each step and what kind of paint to use, the acrylic paint, all of this sort of stuff. And and uh, you know, he fi- he finally got got down to where he could do it. But yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoyed his company. And then you know, when he went to uh, WWE, they put him with they put him with Downtown Bruno or Harvey Whippleman. That's right. As yeah, and uh, and and they traveled together for a for a long, long time, and you know he he had some I don't know I don't know if discrepancies or whatever, but uh, you know in, in the past few years, uh, James had some not very kind things to say about the WWE, and he said that he didn't get paid as much as uh, the people that he wrestles and everything and that sort of thing, and that he didn't make any money while he was there. And and Bruno Bruno sort of disputed that. Bruno said, "I used to cast his checks for him uh, every week because he said James didn't have a, a, a wouldn't keep a bank account, and he wanted to deal in cash and everything in cash." And he said, I, "Every week, every Monday, I would get his check, and he said I would go to the bank and cash it." And he said, "Every week it was fifteen thousand dollars, thirteen thousand dollars, and you know, big checks, especially when he was you know wrestling against the Undertaker and and and." Hogan, like you said, at Madison Square Garden, and um, but but I think what James was implying was that sometimes uh, he, when he wrestled against Undertaker, when he wrestled against Hulk Hogan, that he would say that he didn't get paid as much as they did, and and, and that's probably true. But he was still getting paid a lot of money and still being paid very well. But but that that's just the way the wrestling business is. I mean, you know, if 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 they put me in a match with, with uh, oh gosh, I don't, I don't even can't even tell you who, but I know that um, that's that's just the way it works. You know, the guy that is that seems has the bigger name or whatever is usually going to get paid more than than his his opponent. You know, or uh, and that's that's just the way wrestling has all has always been through the years. But, but it's like when uh, you face Michael Cole at WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> I, I certainly didn't get as big a payoff as Michael Cole, you know, because he was the bigger star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I, it's so funny. I don't think Michael and I have ever talked about uh, about what he got paid. And I've, you know, I've told everybody what what I got paid, which was I thought 
an amazing uh, payoff for just that, what, a nine or 11 minute match or something like that. You know, a, a $150,000 payoff for one match, uh, was, was unbelievable. But I mean, guys like, okay, so yeah, you put that into, you put that into, uh, uh, the same, well, the same, I don't know, if in the, not, not in this, I don't know if you say the same boat or whatever, but like, if I or me or Michael Cole got paid $150,000 for our match that night, I can assure you there were some people that on that same WrestleMania card that made a million dollars for their match. And so, so, you know, sure, I could go around and say, man, oh man, I've worked on the same WrestleMania show and I didn't get paid one tenth of what the, some of the guys got paid. But, I mean, that's just not, that's just, that's just the way the show works. That's just the way wrestling has always worked over the years. You know, the main event guys got paid more and some of the guys in the main event got paid more than the, than their opponents. And, uh, but anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I know, I know that James made some, some really good money, uh, throughout his career. And, and I know he, at one time he used that money to buy, uh, a big 18 wheeler and he was actually driving a truck uh there for a while when he when he sort of pretty much had retired from the ring he was driving a truck and you know those those big 18 wheelers are they cost a lot of money but anyway um you know that's 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 not happy thoughts about James you know i, I i'm just i'm sad that the uh you know that he that he didn't you, you got to feel sorry for somebody that just had that kind of physical problems towards the end of their career, you know, it just, and then to leading, leading up to their, their death, uh, as James did, it was, I, I saw, I think the most recent thing I saw from, from James was, was an interview that he, he had done with somebody and he's, he's sitting of course in his wheelchair and he has, he has this big rifle, and he's, you know, he's laughing and everything. And he's talking about, uh, he's talking about, uh, somebody, somebody coming into his house. You know, he may not be able to get up and walk, but he'll still, he'll still defend his house. And, uh, he, he was just, uh, he was just a good, cool guy, uh, you know, all the way up till the end. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, so sorry to hear about that. Condolences to his family and everybody affected and, uh, rest in peace to, uh, James Harris. So, um, we uh, will, as we discussed, we'll have some updates in the next few weeks as we get closer to the 50th anniversary on September 26th. Get more names, get some matches announced, and some things coming up. Absolutely, I'm I'm really really excited about it. What else is going on in the world? My Cubs beat up your Indians pretty good. Oh please, wait a minute! Come on, <laughs> I'm going to bring that up today. Are you? Well, you know, it's it's because. Because Burt Prentice is a, a Minnesota Twins fan, and he and I go back and forth about the fact that the Twins are beating up my Indians, and now you're going to talk about the the Chicago Cubs beating up my Indians. It's I don't know what it's just uh, I don't know what has happened to my Indians. They're just not hitting. It's crazy. They're just I mean you know Frankie Lindor's batting average is like under a hundred. It's unbelievable. What's what is going on with my 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 Cleveland Indians team? Well, I'm just. And I, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say uh, you talked about the the two games they lost to the Cubs. I sat there and watched 
every minute, every pitch, uh, every non-hit of both of those games. And after each one of them, I've said it a million times, there's another three hours of my life I won't get back and just be so so down and disappointed after I, I've got, it's like depressing. And you know, these times being able to not go out or much, not go out very much or do, do many things. It's depressing enough. And then I got to sit and watch my Indians get beat and be double depressed after. So man, you may it. not be ready for NFL to start. I may, I may be, or may you, not be. You may have some struggles with the NFL season. We'll see how that goes for you. If that makes you any happier. Well, I I think that I, you know, of course I'm this way every year about my Cleveland Browns. I'm the eternal optimist. Every year I think this is their year. This is I've been saying that ever since 1964. Uh, but but uh, anyway, I really do have high hopes. I just hope that there's going to be. I I hope that there's going to be a football season. Uh, and and uh, and the Browns on paper look as good as any team in the NFL. I mean, I mean, they should have a, they should have a tremendous team. And, and hopefully if we don't have my buddy, Miles Garrett hit anybody over the head with a helmet and, and stay, and he stays healthy and, and has a good year. This could be the Browns year. Could be, could be. We'll be keeping an eye on them. Uh, I think we'll have a, a football season if nothing else, they'll probably just power through it like baseball's doing. I mean, the Cardinals have played five games. The Reds in the same division have played 19. I don't know how they're yeah. going to make up all that, but uh... neither. I really don't either. And, and and of course, you know, football is is going to be totally different with all the contact and all of the you know the, there'll be no social distancing in a football game for sure. Uh, and they won't. I don't know. Can you imagine? I don't see if they're going to be out there slamming into each other and, and tackling each other. Why would you bother wearing a mask other than the kind that, the, you know, the, the plastic kind that goes over the shield that goes over your football helmet. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, we, we got just here in our own home, uh, Peyton, our son here is, uh, uh, you know, he's in the going into the sixth grade uh, or he's in the sixth grade and they haven't really started in school, uh, in classroom sessions, his, his, his class is going to be all virtual, all on the computer, but they're having football practice. Hmm. He goes every day to football practice at a school, and the school's not even open. Nobody goes in the school except just uh, they haven't they haven't put on pads or, or uniforms yet. But I mean, they're they're still practicing, saying that they're going to have a football season. So. Now that's odd. I understand financially why the major leagues are continuing, but I'm not. It's kind of odd that a, a sixth grader's doing that. I know. Uh, I, mean, <clears throat> I mean, you know, there's, there's, everybody's so divided. There's two schools of thought. <clears throat> I just, um, I know from being around Peyton and 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 the, and the kids that they want things to be back to normal. They want to play football. They oh, want to yeah. be out there, uh, you know, and and they want to be, they want to be back in class. I mean, he's so disappointed. That uh, to hear that it's going to be all virtual and all done through a computer, he's just you know he the kids want to be in they want to be in school they want to be in class but I can also understand the people you know the the parents their safety of their kids is the is the main concern and so it's just man it's just tough times that we are that we are living through and so 
Yeah, I was, I was talking to my brother, and I was saying, would this be a great time to be a kid because you're not at school, or would this be a terrible time to be a kid? And he said, there's no sports to play. It'd be terrible. We'd be miserable. So I understand why right. he wants to get out there and play football. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully things will peak out or get back to normal. And and uh, I, I just know, you know, we're we're still the WWE still doing the still doing the wrestling shows every week, the Raw, SmackDown, and the uh, NXT and the the pay per views. And so, uh, but just you know, who knows when we'll be able to allow the fans back into the shows? Uh, I just I just hope it's sooner than later. Yeah, interesting. They did announce that they're moving from the Performance Center to a long-term residency, they termed it, at the Amway Center in Orlando, which is you know, the NBA arena. And they're going to have like uh, fans there digitally via Zoom, like the NBA is doing. So a lot of changes coming to WWE TV. Sounds like it's going to be a more uh, bigger presentation coming forward. Yeah, it, it, that that will definitely make it uh, a, a bigger presentation. A lot of people, I mean, they've done just an amazing job with, you know, putting on, continuing to put on these shows from the Performance Center. But if anybody were able to go to the Performance Center and actually see, um, you know, the, the size of this place, it's unbelievable that they've been able to do uh, what they've done with such a limited, such a limited space. I mean, to bring in all of the wrestlers and all of the crew and, and that sort of stuff in such a, you know, in, in such a, a, a small uh, area in the ring. And to realize that all of these shows come from the same, you know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. They're all coming from the exact same performance center. So, uh, you know, they've, they've done an amazing job so far. And, it's, and I'm it's very commendable that they've been able to do what they've done, but I think this will be tremendous to open it up a little bit and put in a put it in a bigger uh, a bigger venue. I think that'll make all the difference in the world in what the shows look and feel like. And just to change scenery, you know, it's been so many hours of TV at the Performance Center, but the five hours a week plus the pay per views. So I'm looking forward to uh, to this as well. All right. Well, what else got to talk about? Anything, or is that it? I think we've pretty much exhausted it today. We'll we'll keep track of uh, the Indians and the Browns, and we got this event on the 26th of September, and we're going to be talking about that every week. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Once again, condolences uh, to everybody affected by the passing of Kamala, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.